2: varsity radio saturday morning show presented by the nebraska lottery strap yourselves in here are your hosts chris schmidt y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now and mark craignac time has come for
3: someone to put his foot down and that foot is me
4: Welcome to it, weekend editions here at Tale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Kranak on assignment this morning, being a good daddy, a little volleyball for his little one. So Cranach back at it with this uh, next Saturday. Elijah Herbal in our studios here in Lincoln. Numbers to dial up, get in. Pretty busy week with Big Ten Media Days. Thoughts on Nebraska. Thoughts on the league. And uh, we'll uh, dive into it the next couple of hours. 466 76 Toll free. Where you can get us at one 800 5865 So, Elijah, I got called out last night in, uh, well, it's, it's what? Players have been talking about that moment of constructive criticism in front of peers, and it's about how you react and, and take something. It could be, a, you know, a route combination coverage, assignment-type deal on the defensive side of the ball. It could be knowing what your job is if there's an audible on offense, specific, specifically if there's a protection change. <clears throat> My moment of learning last night came at the grill. I was at the grill, okay? And I got to work on my my flip game. Oh no. With the burgers. Cuz when I when I grill at home, usually it's a chicken or a pork chop and the, you know, a steak. I don't do I do my wife will do burgers more than me. Pretty easy to manage there. Full grill of uh, full grill of burgers. And I just I don't have that technique down. And Calvin was like, son, <laughs> you gotta manhandle those things. When it comes to flipping, I was too I was too finesse. So burgers turned out great, but I had to watch and learn. And all my years of grilling I had somebody finally say, look, this is how you need to flip. And the point of the story is uh, you're never too uh, old or young to learn or take con- constructive criticism. But
0: I, what does he mean by you have to, like, you have to... Well, it's like you.
4: when I would go in with the spatula and try and move them, I mean, I just wouldn't make solid contact mm. to, to flip them. Mm. It would take one or two attempts versus... You were fouling a couple off. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was fouling a couple off. And and he's sitting there watching like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, his language was choice, and I I got a kick out of it. We've cleaned it up for uh, all the uh, the morning car rides. So,
0: yeah. So well, I was been, I was embarrassed. Is my point. I've been trying more and more of the uh, the smash burger technique though, as opposed to the grill, because you got your flat top. I got the flat top, and you can do it with it with a cast iron in your kitchen too. It it's gonna. Really make your entire house smell like burgers. Which but. is kinda cool.
4: <laughs> they, but they they haven't invented that uh, that candle yet.
0: But <laughs> it's uh but it's growing on me. The the smash burger technique. You I, smash I,
4: you smash before, not on, I
0: hope. It's it's on. So you, you, you start off with a like a little a giant, you start off with a mound of meat. Yeah, and you just and then you, you throw it on and then you you get your weight on it and you smash it down into whatever the cooking surface is. And I, I wasn't sold on it when it first happened. I was like, ah, oh, this this burger pad is gonna be thin, it's gonna be all dry and whatnot, mm-mm, mm-mm. The thing you, I've heard- You get it really hot, uh-huh. and you smash it down, it gets a nice crust, and yeah. I swear that crust actually locks in all the juices.
4: See, I've heard if you smash on the flat top, it it gets rid of some of the flavor. It smashes out the juice.
0: I I can see that, but it also gives itself a little bit of juice to almost like fry itself in. Sure. No, I get you. So, I mean, the, the only danger is that if that flat top's too hot, you're going to have that, that oil that is then- pushed out uh-huh. is now going to start crackling over your arms and burning you. But I mean, no, no pain, pain, no gain, gain right? <laughs> That's
4: right. Especially when it comes to burgers. No, I got to get a flat top and, and see what uh, you're talking about uh, for sure.
0: It's it's multifunctional, too. It's not just the burgers. You can do breakfast and eggs. And... Oh, pa- no pancakes are better than pancakes <laughs> on a flat top. I, I will take fact. your word for it. But
4: no, that was a moment. And then, of course, we had uh, we had. Friday night dinner club at at my mom's and it was just fun to talk a little ball and everyone's wondering about you know Big Ten media days in Nebraska and then the topic of Scott Frost came up and I know that's been pretty prominent this week what didn't he do what should he have done did he have a problem with how he handled Big Ten media days and my whole takeaway is is this selfishly as a media puke, it would have been cool to have some time with some more time with him uh, from a logistical standpoint. I'm not in, in Nebraska's shoes where you've got to get to Indy and then back from Indy and then to fan day. That's that was probably most important to Nebraska, the players and the coaching staff. So I can see it both ways. Um I feel like this for Frost, and we all know how important the season is. We all know what year five is, and we all know that it's, it's time to, to make some real progress. That's from his boss to his ears with the restructure. And Scott Frost is determined. He's a guy that's super focused, and, and that's what he was kind of wearing on his sleeve to me. Had Media Days on Tuesday. And no opening statement. You can beat that up if you like. It's also you know, is an opportunity to showcase. But right now, listen, you can you can tell us what it's supposed to be, or you can go show us what it it can be. And I think that's kind of where he was at with punting on the opening statement. Let's just get to questions. What am I gonna tell you about the last four years that is gonna change your mind about what my record is. What am I going to tell you about the last four years in one-score games? What am I going to tell you about turnovers? What am I going to tell you about red zone efficiency? What can I tell you about my offense statistically between the 20s that's a bad thing? What can I tell you about my relationship with my offensive coordinator? That's a work in progress because we're all new. These are guys I hired, and we're, we're trying to get it on the same page before big old Fitz and company are across the sideline from us at Northwestern in Ireland. So it's just time to kind of show your work, right? It's time to show your work. It's time to show your work with recruiting. It's time to show your work with development. It's time to show your work with how well you've done in the portal. And it's really time to show your work with uh, how you can get a team prepared to beat a team that has been classically great at the little engine that could. And I know they probably hate that tag, but Northwestern has thrived with recruiting classes in the upper fifties and sixties. And three years later, at least the the most current run, uh, they're going in the first round of the NFL draft uh, on the lines of scrimmage or in the secondary, or they're finding a way to get a quarterback in and, uh, make some chicken salad or some lemonade and get to a Big Ten championship game with that high school stadium they play in. So Nebraska is poised, if it hits, to have a, a, a season for, for fans that you're going to appreciate because if Nebraska is a team that we're talking about in November – they are going to be a team that is able to survive some close shaves, which is par for the course in the Big Ten. They're going to be a team that's uber-physical on the lines of scrimmage that may not be perfect, but but find a way. And that will be very, very satisfying to Nebraska fans. You want to win them all, you long for that, you're realistic and, and say that this is not... <laughs> I don't think I'm on a on a on a shaky tree limb here. This is not a a bubbling 2019 LSU situation. Okay, it, it's it's not. But but what you can do is say, all right, six is weird, but better. Seven, you probably still dropped a couple of games. That also can happen in the Big Ten. The problem is, it's continually happened the past several seasons. You get to eight, and let's think about that let's think about what eight wins would would do for you as a nebraska fan well eight wins probably means you 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 stop losing to minnesota you probably stop losing to illinois think you're good with that and it probably means you you split at least you split with iowa or wisconsin it's been forever right it was pre-elijah mustache the last time nebraska beat wisconsin or iowa it's pre uh, before Elijah could grow a mustache. It's before so. Elijah
0: completed puberty. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> Elijah was still playing with GI Joes when uh, uh, Nebraska last beat either. So that that would be that'd be cool, and and you have a shot here at, at some national love with a, a a beatable Oklahoma. Now, how does all of that happen? You get good quarterback play. Big question mark because is it going to be Casey Thompson? Is it going to be good Casey Thompson? Is it going to be injured Casey Thompson? Is it going to be a a charge by Pretty who doesn't have near the experience as Thompson, but man, you like the upside? And quite frankly, it's going to be about two tackles that are coming off injury and uh, another bunch of dudes that are going to be trying to get right, where some have played, some haven't, some have lost their starting spots. How are they adjusting to a new offensive line coach? and an offensive coordinator, and it's going to be about Mark Whipple and what kind of offense can Nebraska run, be successful, and still be physical. See, I think you can be physical and still throw the football, and I think a big part of that is what, what Raiola is going to be preaching. The run game will need to be an asset and not a liability. We haven't got to the defensive side of the ball with all you're having to replace that went off to the NFL. But all of that is part of this equation to eight, and I think you'd feel okay about that because if you get to eight and you look at the schedule and you say, listen, they need to get to eight. Some of us have have analyzed the schedule easier said than done, but that's kind of my synopsis of all of the week with what was and wasn't said, what's the buzz, what's the feel around Nebraska football. There's anticipation, but I don't know the faith level right now that it can finally turn out okay because of all of these new puzzle pieces, staff included, and new players. I think it can hit, and you've got a shiny example of what what the ceiling is, and that's a New Year's Day bowl and a top 10 ranking in, in Michigan State. I don't know if what, what Sparty brought in a year ago, and what Nebraska brought in this year is going to be apples to apples or not. Do you have a great player like Kenneth Walker you got out of the portal that blows up the league? You might in O'Shawn Mathis. You might in Casey Thompson. But I can't say and sit here and say, hey, I'm going to get the old Magic 8-ball out and just hot take, yeah, you got a defensive player of the year in, in O'Shawn Mathis. Don't know that. Don't know how he'll adjust. We'll have some thoughts here from Chenander. We'll have some thoughts from... Caleb Tanner, and Nash Hutmacher, the polar bear. What I do like is the ability for Nebraska to have some depth, and I think that's very, very important on the defensive line. I think the depth aspect is a big question mark. Elijah, I want you to jump in here on that offensive line because let's uh, let's project a little bit here. What 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 can it be? How good can it be with losing Nuri? Uh, you lost Cam Jurgens, which is going to really suck, but I think a guy like Hickson can can do well. It's really about Prooska being healthy and uh, and doing really well at a super high level at a young, young, young age, and that's a big ask. He's really good. I think he'll be really, really good, but is he going to be really good in, in Game 2 through 14 of his career and stay healthy? Is Turner Corcoran ready to to get rocking and rolling, and, and and getting a comfortable spot on the right side, Bryce Benhart, high-level prospect, kid that's had his lumps. That uh, can you unlock the angry out of him? Ethan Piper, a kid you wanted out of Norfolk. Uh, can he uh, find a rotation, a spot? Do you, do you go with a young pup and Lutowski at the other guard spot? Kevin Williams, love his fire, coming back from Northern Colorado, and then uh, you got the kid out of Oklahoma State too, that's played some football that it is an option. Nebraska is going to have some options and they're going to have some options if guys go down due to injury. But to 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 hit this season at a super high level, you're going to need everyone to stay healthy, everyone to gel, and you're going to have to really get a great draw if you're a pitch fan out of out of what you've done in the port.
0: Or I mean really you're going to need to see four guys that exceed their level of, of what we've ever seen with them at Nebraska. Four guys to all simultaneously take a big jump. And, and before I get too deep in the woods in the offensive line, I just want to go back to what you said about eight wins, because I, I do think eight wins is a number that's important to follow this season because eight wins, I think, is, is the number. It's the, the lowest win total number that can start changing that perception of what Scott Frost is in Nebraska. If he gets to seven wins this season, you say, okay, he's made a bowl. Awesome. But you're still at Nebraska. They're still better expected of you than seven wins. Eight wins is getting there. And it's enough that I think that national media perception, that perception around the Big Ten of Scott you jump Frost. jump from three changed. to eight. man, not bad. Not bad. And for all we have said in the past couple of years about, well, in order to change his perception of Nebraska, Scott Frost needs to win. In order to change the perception of Nebraska in general, Nebraska needs to win. And I think it's funny uh, whenever you, you look at the media, not – us, but I guess you, I guess I can lump ourselves in there with that. Is that people got up uh, and talked about Scott Frost's appearance at Big Ten Media Days and say, "Well, how is he going to start changing his perception by going up and doing that by, by acting like it doesn't matter and and almost looking like he's feeling the pressure?" Well, this is the same media that said for the past couple of years that the only way he can change his perception is win. So does it really
4: matter what? So Ward's going to are gonna do that for you? I are mean, awards going to do that? I um, I personally, if if it's if it's pressure time, I'm, I'm going out there with more honey to catch flies and just going to spend as much time as I can or need and and, and maybe uh, schmooze a little bit more uh, and just say, hey, we're trying, man. Open here. No, we haven't gotten things done like we wanted. Because that's, that's just it. I mean, he is such a competitor that – this was this gig for him is such a double-edged sword. And, and we talked about that when he came in. The guy was killing it at Central Florida. The guy clearly knows how to coach uh, with his, his success at Oregon. But what's what's the reality is is you're a young coach and you go into this league full of old gray beards for the most part that are just snipers. I mean, they they are loaded with an incredible staff more times than not, and uh, the the attention to detail part is was what's failed Nebraska, and that's what Scotts tried to I would think work on and be better at. Hence the CEO role that he's supposed to be in, and and embrace because you get good at that. That's how it translates to being good when it comes to punt coverage, <laughs> or play calling. Or time and situation, or what's a smart play versus the splash play I mean there's been there's been instances where ego's gotten away, the but there's that fine line of ego and confidence, and then the the whole no fear of failure mantra, and that has got to be eaten away at the guy from a confidence standpoint of man, it still hasn't popped here. am I good enough? you oh, know by the way, this is a place I'm I'm applauded because of of what I did as a quarterback, and it's a tough ask to be the fifth coach at Nebraska since T O, and come in here and flip it when I'm pretty 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 young as a head coach. But what? he but he took that challenge, on and accepted all the responsibilities that come with it and the pressure. And guys are 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 just wired so differently as a head coach. Uh, you gotta be. I mean, you want to get the payday for sure, but yeah. honestly, it is. They they have their own standard, man. They're they're pissed that they're not going nine or ten or eleven. They are because that's what he's used to. But in a, in a reality sense, it it's 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 been draining, and we and we've seen that. You look at presidents who age after their first term or second term, and and you look at just wearing that stress. I mean, it, it's. It's got to be no fun at, at times, and you just hope the guy's not miserable.
0: Yeah, and I mean everything you have said here is a part of the the perception of what Scott Frost is in the Big Ten. And what really stuck out to me is all it's Scott Frost, the young gun, in a, in a coach or in a, a league full of gray beard head coaches. Mm-hmm. It's it's this guy that is getting outclassed, out experienced by other head coaches. That's part of the perception. Nothing he could have said at Big Ten media days would have changed that perception. So while the media may be mad, yeah, it makes our job a little bit harder here over the next couple weeks. He's not giving us much insight into what things are going to look like. But at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. What's going to matter to Scott Frost and uh, what that conversation looks like with Trev Alberts at the end of the season is not what happened at Big Ten media days. It's what the wins and losses look like. That's what this business comes down to. So uh, that's that's my take on, on what he said on Big Ten media. He's just... I think he's a guy who realized, you know what? Nothing I say here is going to save my job. Nothing I say here is going to get me fired. So let's put my time and energy into to fall camp and, and get the team ready. Let
4: me do what I have to do and let me get the hell back to Lincoln so we can start camp. Yep. So we, we can start that preparation towards an eight-win season. Can we clean up? Mm-hmm. Can we clean it up enough to, to to be in that conversation for the West in November? Can you clean it up enough to be uh, able to to make the plays – or adjustments for Oklahoma, can you get right by the time you head in to Ireland here as 28 days away from kickoff uh, for Nebraska-Ireland? Can you finally get some momentum, man, for this program and get off on the right foot? That's, that's the one thing. We've not seen Nebraska football get downhill like you're uh, you're running inside the five to the goal line. It's always got in its own way. It's always some lineman ran into another lineman and tripped somebody. I mean, if that image is in your mind as a football fan, that's what it's felt like where you're waiting for Nebraska to kind of get up and, you know, you got that runway, you're taking off, and the engine starts sputtering for whatever reason. And uh, it is going to be fascinating. Excited for it. Excited to cover it for another season. And uh, Nebraska – uh, had uh, their time. And, you know, I, I think they're in a good position and there's so much hunger. And I loved what Travis Fisher said yesterday when he's talking about Newsom and Javon Wright. Javon Wright making an interception day one back after all he's been through with his health issues. He made a pick. And instead of just like celebrating crazily, Travis Fisher's like, dude. Are you full or are you still hungry? <laughs> I mean that's that's Fisher's mindset. Great, nice job. You made a pick. Is that just good enough? You just gonna call it good? Ball game. Made an interception <laughs> back from hell and back injury wise. Are you hungry or are you full? And Nebraska's been hungry for a while, but it's it's time to, to, to stop snacking. It's time to, to eat healthy. <laughs> Uh, we will uh, dive in. What what do we got lined up here audio-wise? What do you want to hit?
0: Uh, I got it all lined up here. If you want to get into a little bit of what Fisher said yesterday, got yeah. all that looking. I mean, it's staring right back at me in the face right now. So, let's do uh,
4: Fish. Uh, let's start off, and uh, let's uh, hit that first part of what Fisher had to say uh, specifically here uh, with Fisher and uh, uh, leadership, that style from, from – uh, Quentin Newsome and 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 uh, Miles Farmer, two guys that you, Nebraska fans know, the secondary is leaning on very heavily here for 2022.
2: I think Q and Miles are a little bit more in the breath of like a Nick Henrich type leadership where Cam was super energizer Bunny and Deontay was kind of you know a, the, the you know uh, speak softly and carry a big stick I think these guys are kind of in the middle you know they're both they have good energy but they're also very good with the guys back in the back end
4: that clearly was not Travis Fisher that was coach Janander we heard from coach Janander uh yesterday as well Kent emails in Uh, When it comes to to Frost at Big Ten Media Days, it felt like the Monday presser before Illinois. We're quite a ways away from the game, but we still know how that went. (laughs) And uh, very fair point. It did feel a little pre-Illinois.
0: And and we had a caller in earlier this week. I believe it was Chris who called us and just said, um, that surprise thing never works. Whenever you go in there and you try to be all hush-hush through Big Ten Media Days and through fall camp and you, you try to surprise your opponent, well... It worked last year for Illinois. Illinois came out and surprised Nebraska week zero, I guess, is the, the week it was. But Illinois came out and did that. I mean, you heard Scott Frost say on the Monday presser after Illinois, well, that wasn't what we had prepared for in our game plan. And that was a big indictment on Scott Frost. But really, what you look at it is, no one new, knew what Illinois' offense was no, going to look new, like last new year. new
4: coach, new staff. and No one knew what
0: Illinois' defense was going to look like last
4: holdover year. Holdover personnel. And by the way, the pig farmer hadn't been in the head coach and headset for a few years. He'd been over in New England, probably eating lots of crab. Let's uh, dive in a little bit more here to uh, to Coach Fisher. And uh, this is Fisher on culture building in the room. And this is pretty good. I mean, Fisher's he's the man in the room, but he is making sure it's paid forward by the older guys to the younger guys. So there's a Concrete understanding of what's expected.
5: Yeah, that's that culture I was talking about when I first got here. You know, when I first brought the first player from transferred in here, when I first got here, and I brought him in here to help me establish the culture here at this university. And and those guys were babies then, and now they're growing up, and then guys are leaving, and guys are, so it's just passing along. So the, those guys, um, Quentin used to get in trouble if I asked him where a freshman, my new freshman is at, and he told me he didn't know. So if I catch him walking across campus and I ask him where is Malcolm Hartzog, and he say I don't know coach, he instantly gets in trouble, Makes sense? And so I put the ownership on the older guys to make sure they're taking care of the younger guys. So when the younger guys get older, I do the same thing to them, so it's just, makes sense? So, right now, Quentin Newsom sits right next to uh, Malcolm Hartzog. Quentin Newsom sits in the very front of the room. So, day one of camp, he turned around and seen a freshman in the very back. He got his book bag, got his books, and went and sat in the back of the room by that freshman. That's what I'm talking about.
4: Jim Thorpe list. You've got uh, Quentin Newsom left off that list. Is that uh, motivation for sure for Q? But what's uh, Coach Fisher's take on it?
5: Yeah, he should be. He should be. He should he should be upset, you know. He should he should be upset. I mean he gotta put himself on that list. you know, he just don't get you just don't, don't get you do you don't get to put be put on that list because you play football. You gotta go out and make the kind of plays and be the kind of player that can be listed on that list. And so Quentin knows that, hey, I'm gonna be the coach that keeps Quentin humble. Makes sense, you just don't get put on that on, on that list. You have to go out and make and dominate college football at the corner position to get put on that list. So in order for Quentin to think about that list, he has to dominate college football at that position. You got to dominate college football to be put on that list. I mean, you have to be one of the top corners in the country. All right, you know, you just can't. You know, you got to be one of the top corners in the country. You have to be um, a Cam Taylor Britt. Ain't <laughs> better. You see what I'm saying? So. You know, last year quitting what Newsom wasn't a Cam taylor and better. He's getting there. I'm glad he's thinking about it. But now, now you know what he got to do. You know, so I'm just more comfortable with talking about what you got to do to be this guy instead of just talking about being this guy. You know, people don't wake up out of the bed and become that guy. You know, there's things you got to do to become that guy.
4: Good talk about the process. Joel Klatt coming up. Rewind from Big Ten Media Days. We'll get Klatt's take. On Nebraska, Hale Varsity Weekend, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: When you think of Union Omaha, what comes to mind? The high level of play, the inviting atmosphere, the amazing promotions, huh? I spoke to a former player, and when I asked for one thing that made playing for Union Omaha so special, he responded with the people, his teammates, the staff, and the fans. The super passionate, crazy, awesome fans, that is. Why am I bringing this up? Because I want to remind you that the people are just as important to the team as the team is to them. There are plenty of matches down the stretch, and we want to see you in the seats. Get your tickets now now before it's too late
3: now back with Hale varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery with chris schmidt and mark cranach
4: college football analysts with fox joel klatt back with us joel how's the uh, the day been how you been
2: man? it's been good um, i'm just excited to get to the games you know i, th- I feel like our new cycle in this sport <laughs> it's like, I'm so tired of the summer news cycle in our sport. I just want to get to the game so we can stop talking about NIL and transfers and conference realignment. Yeah, the
4: uh, the uh, newsmaker this summer was the Big Ten with yep. UCLA, USC. We'll get there in a bit. I want to focus a little closer to home, and then that's Nebraska and the year five outlook for, for Coach Frost. Uh, we saw Coach Frost here on the podium uh, to kick things off this morning right after the commissioner and
2: uh,
4: just uh, he's in game mode already. Nebraska was in. They were out. uh, They're off to uh, Fan Day tonight, and then camp open tomorrow, but needless to say, a big season for the
2: Big Red. Huge. Um, This this team last year was as good of a nine-loss team as you can possibly be, and that doesn't – I know that's like a big bucket of salt. Uh, point poured into the wound. Huh. Um, they they were so close, and um, you know I, I think that they just get, they got stuck, and and they got stuck and garnered no momentum, and they needed to learn how to win some of those games. Unfortunately for them, um, you could see it almost when they would get into those tight ball games. You sensed that there was a tightness about like what's about to happen, and that's because from from the rip against Illinois, it was turnovers and penalties mm-hmm. that started to to kill them. And then that just plagued them the rest of the season. And, you know, until they can fix that, then, you know, they're going to continue to be on the wrong end of this, but they're talented. I like the transfers that they got. I like Scott as a coach. I still really believe in him. They've made some fundamental changes to the core and, and and overall culture of that program, which I think was much needed, to be honest with you. And I don't think that there's any reason why he can't be more successful this year. And to his credit, he knows that, and that's why he has publicly said, "Listen, I I'm you know betting on myself, if you will, taking a, a pay cut, which you don't generally see in this day and age." Uh, but I think he knows that his uh, his job is big this year, certainly, but it's also an important one to get them turned around.
4: Joel Klatt with us here, Lucas Oil Stadium, Big Ten Media Days. From your perspective and, and experience as a player and now analyst, kind of pinpoint your take with what culture you saw and mm-hmm. what, what's the, the, the flip. And real quick, I think a guy like Bush, a guy like Mickey Joseph, the, the delegation of, of more of a – a veteran offensive mind and Whipple that, that can help, but how do you see a better culture and what was the culture in your eyes?
2: Well, that's a, that's a great question. It's, it's tough to really put your finger on what the culture was. I know talking with Scott, he felt like they, they needed to get to a point where, where there were more tough minded Mm -hmm. uh, players and guys that, that could overcome um and and I think I don't know if the word you know it's tenacity it's toughness and I think that to some degree the the culture within the Nebraska program had deteriorated uh, to a point where that had left and he wants to bring it back um, and I think at least you know I haven't been around him other than one time last year at least in Lincoln and he seemed to think that it's it's on the right track, and he's um, got a team that more represents that this year than maybe uh, at any time during his tenure.
4: You mentioned that that moment where the game can go either way in a yeah. one-score game, and the, uh, the, the pucker factor is what we kind of called it <laughs> growing up. Uh, is it as simple as getting... One win to go your way to alleviate that fear versus a little PTSD uh, when you get in. Yeah, the I think games. so. I
2: think that the like winning breeds winning, yeah. you know? And so like you either have the belief that it's like, Oh, ho- hold on. We're almost there versus like, Oh no, no, no. Like something's going to happen for us. Right. We're, we're going to make a play. We're going to do the things necessary. We've got the confidence to do that. You've heard, you know, talked about as confidence or whatever it is. And I think that there's either a tightness or a confidence and, and a couple of wins just generally give you that confidence. And, and I think that's what they lacked last year.
4: Joel, let's talk quarterback. Casey Thompson is in uh, Adrian's down at Kansas State. Uh, we we saw what Pitt did uh, yeah. with Pickett and uh, the Whipple offense. C- can Nebraska be a successful offense, grow into that with the, all these new moving pieces, a line coach, running back coach, wide receiver coach, plethora transfers and uh, a quarterback that I I liked what I saw at Casey Thompson. I just hope he can stay healthy.
2: Yeah. I mean, the the health is an issue. It it was an issue a little bit last year. Um, I think more than anything is, is what you see in college football is that every team has a one year lifespan and there's always so much turnover that it's it's a little bit less um of an issue in college football to have this amount of turnover than it would be like let's say in the n f l when you're when you've got like a veteran core group of guys that are all of a sudden changing systems um so I think that from from that standpoint, yeah, it can turn around very quickly the biggest the biggest thing though is is being clean, Ooh. and this is the thing it's it's not that the x's and o's were weren't there for them last year. They didn't get out-schemed. They they got out-detailed, um, you know, false starts, turnovers. Little little things like that I think are, are the difference. And sometimes that can be coaching style. That can be um, any number of things. But uh, but I do believe, you know, Scott's been happy with the changes that he's made on the staff, and I think he thinks that they can make um, uh, a discernible, discernible difference right away.
4: With the, the run game, it's been very reliant on on Adrian Martinez. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quarterback run game, there's a, a stable of backs, Joel, that you just don't know a ton about, or there's a small sample size. Can What does success look like to you in Nebraska's run game, uh, presumably without much quarterback run?
2: Yeah, I that remains to be seen. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that looks like. I'm not sure w- – what their immediate strength is going to be you can you you've got to rely on something right away and it's either like uh, we can short pass on first down we can run the ball on first down we can rpo on first down you know what what is that are they going to be a heavy rpo system is it something where uh where that would would make sense i'm not sure what success in the run game looks like i don't think that they're going to be dominant in the run game so i don't think you should expect them to just sit there and run the football down somebody's throat Uh, so creativity early in the season, I think that you're going to get some of that. And then ultimately it's, it's, it's just about, can you run the ball when you need to run the ball in particular late in particular, if you get into those one possession games and you need to milk a little bit of the clock, the frost whipple dynamic. Mm -hmm. Uh, How does that work? You have two, two pretty good chefs guys. Yeah. Um, also remains to be seen (laughs) you know i keep saying that but it's it's get back to me yeah exactly you know i I think that that we'll see and i think if you ask them deep down in their heart they don't know exactly what it's still a work in progress you kind of have to go and and be in the fire if you will um uh, before that you're going to know exactly how that's going to all pan out so we'll see you know and, and we'll see in in ireland we're headed over
4: good uh, all right good. yeah are, are you uh you're i heard you talking with doug and company
2: you get bama texas huh bama texas week two i'm i'm excited for that one that one should be a a good one and uh then we're going to be up in lincoln week three for ou that'll be great to have OU here uh last thought here on on some big
4: 10 topics the west you had a so many nine win eight win mm-hmm. squads uh, any feel with uh, pecking order or do you have uh, a, a
2: lean at least do you like Purdue because of the quarterback. Do you like, I do. I listen you, when you bring a quarterback back that, that helps. Um, Wisconsin was good at the end of the year. They've got to replace a lot on the defense. Iowa needs to find something offensively yeah. should be really good on the defensive side. Yeah. Um, you just like look past Northwestern at your own peril. I know that sounds crazy, but it's like you, you and I have been around this long enough to know that it's like, Pat's a great coach. So, and he gets, who knows he gets, you write him off and here they are back in Indy. Minnesota has a a 15th year quarterback, (laughs) you know? I mean, so you know what I mean? Like it's, and by the way, Mo Ibrahim, is a real back. He's awesome. He's a real back. They were giving Ohio state's all sorts uh, Ohio state, all sorts of fits early in that, that opener last year before he got injured. So uh, West is, is as deep as it's probably ever been to be honest with you. And, and I think it's a toss up and I think one of four or five schools could actually win it. Can they replicate their success? Do you see a number of, Nine win teams coming out back to back. I can see that. Yeah, again. I can see that. It, it, I mean, it all depends. And in this conference, here's what's tough about this conference, is that the middle of the conference is all really similar. And this is what bit Nebraska last year is because when you when you make little mistakes and you lose little games over and over and over again, there's enough good teams to beat you. There wasn't any easy wins out there, right? There's, and no, like,
4: there's no pre uh uh, Kansas, right? Correct. Kansas was always the the yes, correct. Yeah, that, that absolutely. And even
2: way back when it was Kansas State, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I mean, so th- there aren't those those throwaway games in this conference, and 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 because of that, um, I could see a lot of eight and nine win teams. Ohio
4: State, they're the favorite, they're yep. the pick. Michigan lost a lot. Does mm-hmm. Sparty rebound? Those are all some some questions. Yep. But Ohio State's run defense. They That's got lit. They got lit up last year. Uh, is on un- Ohio State like
2: offensively? They're incredible. And yep. I think they're going to be the best offense in the country.
4: They just have to outscore folks, or can someone go, we'll go see. ball control? I mean, Jim Knowles is
2: Jim Knowles is He's there big. because of that. His scheme is very different than anything Tell Ohio me. State has has ever really tried to do. Ohio State has tried to just sit there in in the past, mm. in general, and just say we're better than you. Mm-hmm. we've recruited better than you. And they got out of position a few times last year. In reality, Ohio State fans won't want to hear this, but they really, you know, the Jeff Halfley year, they were good on defense with Chase Chase Young and Jeff Okuda and Fuller was backed out. I mean, they were really good, very talented. Outside of that, they have not played great defense the last five seasons outside of that one year. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, they're not going to want to hear that, but it's true. Bama abused them in that national championship mm-hmm. game. Um, Michigan last year only had to throw the ball, I think two or three times in the second half to beat them. Think about that. That's crazy.
4: In those conditions where everyone's loading up against the run. Anyway. That's exactly
2: right. Now they had some problems, you know, with, with linebacker depth, but that's going to be an issue for them as well. Long story short. I mean, Jim, Jim runs a system that was really made for teams like Duke and Oklahoma state that are undermanned. And so they're going to move, they're going to do unique things in the blitz game, they're going to try to create pressure on the quarterback, not, um, not allow just one player to manifest that pressure, like a Chase Young. And and that's not been Ohio State's M.O. So this is a defense that they're going to have to learn kind of on the fly. And it remains to be seen. I mean, they were uh, he had a veteran group at Oklahoma State last year, a really veteran group. And they were very good at the linebacker um, position. And it's not the same at Ohio State. You're always going to deal with a young defense. Why? Because they're talented enough to go to the National Mm -hmm. Football League. So uh, remains to be seen. Notre
4: Dame, your feel is what? What's uh, what's their landing spot, or do they do they still get uh, independent status?
2: Oh, uh, what's the time frame? Two years, isn't it? I still think they land in a conference. A pick. There's only one conference that they would go to. Big Ten. Yeah, it makes uh, a ton of sense, but they. They might not. I don't know, but i I think that I think that they're going to the, have to.
4: That's the domino. Like we're well, not the, all waiting on here when we talk. It, it is, but
2: it isn't no? at the same time because that doesn't destroy another conference. You no, know, and, Notre Dame will have to bail if the ACC is already crumbled. Correct. Yeah. Correct, and it and it puts the ACC in some peril. But it's the only one that has a, a, a high enough value that. The presidents of any conference would be like, well, yeah, we need them because mm-hmm. then we're all going to become a bit richer. And I know I hate to just put it in financial terms, but that's well, that, those are the terms, yeah. you know.
4: Joel Clatt, with us, lead analyst, Fox Sports, college football at Joel Clatt. Follow him on Twitter. Great updates throughout, uh, of course, on radio and uh, for sure on his uh, his Twitter feed. And Joel, we'll see you in Norman. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks again. Yeah. No, Lincoln. It'll be in Lincoln. That's what I meant. I there was we go. Uh, Norman, yes. Uh, but in Lincoln this year, Joel Klatt, uh, thanks for joining us.
3: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
2: The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach.
3: Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me.
4: Welcome back to it. It's hour two. It's the weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt. Mark Cranach on assignment. A little volleyball this morning with his little girl. Good for Mr. Mark. We uh, welcome in Brandon Vogel. Elijah Herbel is, uh, well, he is secured in the studio uh, he, he may or may not get out of the studio this weekend 28 days till Ireland 28 days till it's the taste test between what we drink here Guinness Wise and what we drink over there Guinness Wise help you to help you on that tour if you're going to Ireland is one Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter it's where you find him you read him with Hale, Varsity, Magazine and .com Dream like a champion, his book with John Cook. Vogues, have you? Uh, is is it true the rumor about Guinness being completely well better over there?
3: Uh, it wasn't in thousand two. Uh, that was my first trip abroad. was was to Ireland, and uh, yeah, I feel like I remember noticing a difference there. Uh, of course, made it to. St. James Gate and the, the Guinness Brewery. Uh, the kind of sky view there is is well worth it for anyone heading over. <laughs> and, and you know, it's been 20 years since since I've been there, so I'm sure a lot has changed. But I enjoyed the tour uh, at the time that I went. So definitely, uh, having the Guinness is is high on the list. I think for uh, for those who who enjoy a beer and are headed over, uh, definitely don't miss that.
4: How big is the gap between? Nebraska fan going over to Ireland to see Nebraska win, get off on that right foot, and then trying said Guinness or playing golf. Priority number one is to go get a win if you're a Nebraska fan. But down on the list is have a Guinness, play some golf. That's the pecking order.
3: Yeah, I think so, but you know, you gotta, you gotta. If you get out there early, you can, you can't play the game on Tuesday, and you're not gonna get a play on Saturday either. I mean, you could try and suit up. So, <laughs> yes, priority number one is for somebody else, namely the 2022 Cornhuskers, to go win that game. Up until that point, though, you can check some things off the list that are a little bit lower, namely uh, having a Guinness and playing some plans for golf.
4: You know, it's going to be a good time and quite a lead-up. We were all in indie for Big Ten media days, and we were wondering, you know, where's Nebraska on, on the radar? Nebraska kicked things off on Tuesday and then had to get back for Fan Day. And it's kind of the same questions, Vogues, uh, with yet uh, that that caveat of pressure and... You know, improvement, as Trev Albert says, you don't get tenure in coaching. And what what's your your take on the the Trev Frost dynamic right now, as uh, season's underway? At least with preseason camp, uh, they got going this week.
3: Yeah, they still seem seem aligned, which which makes sense, but you know. Uh, watching various uh, AD coach relationships over the years, it's it's not always a given. I mean, I think they both feel the pressure to to get this right, and you know, we talk about the the pressure on Frost, and, and it's greater. I mean, he, he's the one who you know, if things don't turn around, his job's at stake, not Albert's. But early, that you know, for most ADs, and certainly an AD at a place like Nebraska hiring the football coach is how you will be judged it's the thing that you have to absolutely nail and to have to do that uh i mean you know there was some mystery there towards the end of october early november if if trev alberts was going to have to do that last year you know after a couple of months on the job but even after this season if that were to be the unfortunate result you're still not even two years in so you know, there's there's pressure coming from that way, and I think you know I, I appreciate how open Alberts has been to the degree that he can be about you know his impression of things, why he made the decisions that he did. So all in all, I think that part of it's gone about as well as I could have expected it to.
0: Brandon Vogel's with us on a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio, and Brandon, we were talking last hour about what it's going to take. Uh, for Scott Frost to, to change his perception here at Nebraska, and we agreed, well, it's not going to be w- what he says at Big Ten Media Days, but a bit of, a, I guess, a two-part question here. First off, what what win total is going to be enough, do you think, uh, for Scott Frost to just get another year? Some people say six, some people say seven. It's somewhere in that range. But then uh, as a follow-up, what number is going to change that perception of Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska and maybe start convincing people that, that he could be the right guy for the job, at least in, in a national media sense?
3: Yeah. Good question. Uh, I think I, I'm still of the camp that in and, and so much of this depends on context, but I, I think simply getting to six probably buys more time. So that's part one to, ch- to change the perception to, to really change it. Uh, and you're probably talking eight, maybe nine, um, which, which might sound crazy, but, uh, you know their season opening win play total was seven and a half. You get some some good bounces. You just go way positive on turnover margin. Like you could have one of those kind of out of nowhere seasons. I mean, Michigan State did it a year ago. We've seen Northwestern do it a couple of times. So it's it's possible. If you get if you got to nine, certainly I think then it's like oh well, the past four years, man, it was bizarre, but here here was. Here was this big turnaround, and you know, go to Big Ten Media Days next summer after a nine-win season. And I think the tenor of the entire thing is totally different because you know, this past week it just felt like, well, yeah, Nebraska's over there. They should be better. None of us really understand why they aren't. They're so close. Uh, so we'll just let them keep doing that. And when it's time to pay attention, we'll pay attention.
4: Brandon Vogels with this weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio. How do you envision meetings are and how about the offensive install with that Whipple frost dynamic is it a situation where Whipple, this is how we're going to go do our business. And what's the input like from Scott, because that was he was asked about that. This week, and he's you know, the, the the term stepping away is not what's going on. He's still involved, but there's a fine line, coach. It's one thing to stop by a meeting. It's one thing to to, to co lead a meeting uh, when you've hired an offensive coordinator to do that. And, and that that's something I'm I'm looking forward to seeing pay off. Well, all those smart guys on the offensive side of the football being able to fulfill their role. And not kind of step on one another.
3: Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty interested to hear Whipple um, you know take some questions and talk with the media on because it's it's been a while since we heard from him and I'm pretty interested in the interplay here as well, just like everyone else. I'm currently working on a big preview of the offense for the IAD preview podcast, which will return next week. Yes. Um, but I think I think Whipple kind of gave maybe a little clue and this is why i'm so interested about what he has to say on monday and his radio appearance a couple of weeks back when he was talking about logan smothers saying logan basically didn't have to learn half the offense that's the run game the passing game is what where he was you know in the same boat as casey thompson and Chuba purdy so we'll see you know maybe that was just an off-the-cuff answer but that there is probably the best evidence I've heard so far that, OK, maybe they're keeping kind of the run game piece of this from the previous offense, the passing game piece of it's going to change. And when you look at where Frost and Whipple have been, you know, over their careers as both head coaches and offensive coordinators, it would make some sense if if that's the the kind of division of labor here, I guess, for lack of a better term.
0: Well, Brendan, there's been talk this off season of what Ryle has done changing the blocking style. and There's been thoughts that maybe that's going to change the running style. Do you think those comments about, well, Logan Smothers hasn't had to learn anything new in the running game? Do you think that puts some of those notions to bed? Or is that just like an aspect of, well, he's a quarterback. How different is it to hand the
6: ball off?
3: Yeah, I mean, Whipple did say there could still be some of the the option game that we saw quite a bit of last year, and it was really kind of a twenty twenty one thing. We didn't see as much of it, at least not the way Nebraska ran it last year. Prior to that, which which gets interesting, if if uh, Casey Thompson is kind of your your day one number one in fall camp, but you know, the offensive line thing's been been strange, and and Cross has been consistent with it throughout the offseason and said it again at Big Ten Media Day, you know, in fact, saying, like, you'll notice the the difference in terms of how guys are coming off the ball. It always strikes me as, like, was it really that simple? Was it really like, hey, guys, just come off the ball harder and and, and it'll be good? And, and, And it's not. And I know that's not what he's necessarily saying. But if that's their perception of it, even, you know, if a lot of this is kind of still behind the curtain, it can make a pretty big difference. Like if if you truly do have just kind of a simple switch up front and you run Nebraska run game as we've seen it for the past couple of years, well yeah, you you could get slightly better results and that might be all you need out of that.
4: Vogues is is that switch we're talking about something as simple as a different mentality and, and Greg Austin uh, a lot of folks believe and, and still think he's a, a really good offensive line coach and uh, a good teacher. Guy, the guys love playing for him; they they really did. You you switch the boss in that meeting room now to a Raiola, and they're they're pretty intense. It, it, is the personality aspect of this the, the the mindset of being mean and nasty? Uh kind of that, that key ingredient here for offensive line success. On paper, that whole room's full of talent. On paper, that whole room was recruited by the rest of your Big Ten West peers and others. Now, in the Big Ten, it comes down to being like a Linderbaum, where <laughs> he's going to keep smoking you even if the whistle's ringing still. Same with Juergens. I mean, Cam was was a seek-and-destroy type guy last year for Nebraska. Can, can the rest of that group kind of step up their, their meanness is, is the best way to put it. Is that something you're wondering about?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think offensive line in particular is a, a place where personality of, of the coach, your, your leader, and mindset, and, and really just camaraderie among the group. Can can kind of make a quick difference. I mean, it's the biggest position grouping we have on the football field. There's five of those guys out there at, at all times. So I mean, really, you've got almost like a small team within a team, and I think that's that can be a good thing. I mean, how many how many times, Chris, in your career, have you talked to a former Husker offensive lineman? And it's just you know they were kind of like, yeah, we, ha- we had our five guys up front. We know we're always underappreciated. We just did our thing, but we did it together. Um, I mean, I think the team aspect of being on that offensive line and being together can help. And I'm not saying that Nebraska didn't have that. Um, you just have to ask the question because the results haven't been there up front. And you look at that group, and there's there's a lot of questions to answer there, but between Corcoran, um, Ben Hart, and Prahaska, those are three of the most talented players of any position nebraska three I think of the top forty players Nebraska has signed since two thousand and eleven so you've got some pillars there that should be pretty good based on what we thought of them coming out of high school.
4: Oh, absolutely and listen there's there's two ways to to block right you can you can get downhill and and move people or you can get in their way and, and zone block them. Both work. Both have worked to win Super Bowls. Both have worked to win national championships. But to me, it's all about mentality. And when you talk to those former O-linemen, you have as well. You have too, Elijah. It kind of comes down to just being uh, an SOB that really wants to take out uh, all of the harbored fat anger. <laughs> okay, that uh, and, I, and I mean that kind of tongue-in-cheek. But you, you get to uh, unleash the fury uh for, for for four quarters,
0: it's that it's that pent up anger of the fact that you went last in flag football, despite the fact you're the biggest kid there. Like yeah. you liked football. Well, but I just you were gonna, fast. Gonna, gonna have a little <laughs> therapy
4: session with us this morning, but um, that's that's true, and you got to tap into that. And Nebraska's from a physicality standpoint and a conditioning standpoint, they're not getting mauled anymore. But now it's a mindset thing, folks. To to be really angry and by the way disciplined. Right. Both those things got to be able to coexist and um, and and be a be a big time element, because I don't I don't think any of us would have seen Nebraska be one dimensional because they're afraid to run the ball on third and short. Uh, The the run game has got to be a nice factor. The run game's got to be a big part of this balance with the Whipple offense. And and I'm, I'm anxious to see some some play action if, if there is pass protection and uh, you get the run game going a little bit.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of, I'm gone back and forth on this all off season about, you know, what this breakdown looks like. And, And so much of it depends on kind of game state and what happens in these games early on. Are you ahead? Are you trailing? But, you know, Whipple's career to this point would lead you to believe that the passing game is going to be a, a bigger factor for Nebraska in in 2022, and that's that's fine. Like if you can execute it at a high level, if you can put that together with a brand new quarterback in the course of seven months, then then do what you do and, and play to your strengths. You just look at the Big Ten as a whole, though, and like the examples of kind of true past first teams having success are Ohio State which is like in another galaxy by itself anyway uh, and occasionally purdue when it's good and it's been good I think what, two out of the four five five years under under Jeff braun so it's it's a tough it's a tough ask um, but that doesn't mean you know you don't try it mm-hmm. and for whatever, you know, whatever it was that Frost saw and Whipple that he liked. And I, I do think there's a lot there, a lot there to like. We'll see. But that only underscores for me, even if Nebraska, like, if you're running it well and, and only running it, say, 48% of the time, which would be a pretty big drop for Nebraska from where it's been, that's fine. Like, as long as you're doing whatever you do well, it'll be okay.
0: Brandon Vogel's with us here on a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brandon, so many people have talked about the passing game this offseason. Do you think Nebraska finally gets another 1,000-yard receiver this season? If you had to predict it right now, will that happen?
3: Uh, If I had to predict it now, I'd say no. Um, I don't think unless there over this offseason has just been some kind of amazing trust and camaraderie built between between Casey Thompson and, and a particular receiver, or even having a receiver, you know, of say a Stanley Morgan caliber on Nebraska's roster, it's it's tough to say that now based on what those guys have shown to this point. It doesn't mean somebody couldn't get there. Um, I, I I see this as being a pretty a, a pretty spread around attack. Um, you, you look at Pitts' receiving numbers last year. You know, I think they had five guys over over three hundred yards. Nebraska's second leading receiver i think was austin allen or pass catcher in this case and he was over that but so this seems like a, a spread it around type of attack if, if you get that guy uh you can just go to non-stop uh great i just have a hard time identifying that person on nebraska's roster currently
0: well now that i think about it has nebraska ever had a thousand yard receiver stanley did he get to a thousand or did yeah. he go up just
4: short okay okay I know, it's been a blur. It's been a blur the last few years. Vogues, last thought, we started talking about this number uh, to to start the show. Eight does what for you this season? If there's eight wins, Nebraska's eight and four, eight and four going into a bowl game, eight and four after a bowl game, and it looks a lot better. Is that um, enough to calm the waters a bit?
3: Oh, I think eight definitely would definitely call calm the waters. It, it would for me, um, and as always, like the the context matters a lot. You know, we'll go back to for for whatever you think about the the smart guys out in Vegas uh, against this schedule. What we think of those teams now, Nebraska's put it seven and a half wins. So eight would be right there. Seven would be basically playing to. What we think uh, this team's ability is against the teams that it has to face. But outside of that, um, I think eight wins for the fan base generally would be viewed as, as, as a, an excellent development. Mm-hmm. And there's no question, I think, at eight that uh, this, this current era, at Nebraska, the Frost era, continues.
4: Man, that, that gray area between six and eight. Uh, with all the unknowns yeah. that's that's interesting because i think with all the new if you can get to seven or eight that's that's very very promising and uh if you if you get to six well it's better than it's been and uh to, what do you think trev <laughs> so there we go vogues uh, <laughs> have yourself a weekend buddy uh, appreciate you and, and thanks for everything as always and Thanks so much for uh, the time and, and insight as well uh, with us in, in Indy, bud. Have a good have a good time with your fam this weekend.
3: Sounds good. Thanks,
4: guys. All right, there he is. Brandon Vogel with us. hail and Magazine Managing Editor, Author, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. Quick time out. The Iron Horse will join us. Gary Sharp, the Docs of football on the way with the weekend edition Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Live. <laughs> like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine or annual football yearbook and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR.
3: You
1: heard
2: me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then
1: precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. And then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Oh, excellent strategy, sir.
4: Weekend edition rolls forward. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. The Iron Horse with us, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, what's up, man?
1: Hey, good morning, guys.
4: Well, it is uh, almost time. You're the uh, the man that has the the countdown to kickoff going for Saturdays, correct? Till, yeah, uh, four, till, till ball four game? weeks
1: away. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard to believe. It's uh, it's gone pretty quick, but you know, NFL training camps are open, and uh, by this time next week, I think nearly every college football camp uh, will have opened.
4: Well, Sharpie, wanted to get your take here on on Big Ten Media Days. What did you make of the? The Scott Frost discussion point of how how media days were handled. What, what did you take? What was your take uh, with the, the reaction nationally and locally?
1: Well, I, I think it just shows that we all need a football game.
4: <laughs>
1: um, you know, I, I, I think. I mean, for media that exhausted themselves talking about an opening statement, be better. You know what? That's his choice. I, I, I'm past trying to change Him and say, "Hey, turn on the charm." What I'd like for him to kind of address, yeah, but he's never—he doesn't do that. Um, I was more when he was on the podium because he was different on a side session than he was on the podium, and, and I can't believe we're still talking about this. This is a this is this is what's wrong with Nebraska football. Is it's always something, but he had a chance to in front of more national media. I mean, he's had a good off season. Um, you know, I think that's not his element. And, you know, he's I, I, again, me personally, guys, he's not going to change. So, you know how you change people's opinion? You win football games, and you show that you want to be the head football coach at Nebraska, and you have the tools in the toolbox to win football games and move the program forward. That's what I'm concerned about 28 days from now. I, I'm really disappointed in some people in our, in our own media that went out on a limb and changed their opinion on the season because the guy didn't give an opening statement. 28 days from now, if Nebraska beats Northwestern, are you going to bring that up? Because if you did, I hope you bring it up again because you're going to look foolish.
4: Gary Sharp with us, Salvar Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Sharpie, uh, okay, this defense has high expectations Give me the one guy on the defensive side of the ball that you think is the key. It takes 11, but there's one guy that's going to be the difference maker.
1: Well, I think so. Here's what I'm feeling. Because we still, the great unknown of how all the offense is going to blend together, especially in the first year, I think Derek Tenander is the more important defense coordinator on the staff. Because last year made strides. They, of course, gave Nebraska chances to stay in every game. But they have lost some key guys on that side of the football. But I think Eric Chenander has some intriguing weapons to work with and design. And so Eric Chenander is the more important coordinator to me this year than Mark Whipple is. But with that said, answering your question, Schmidt, I-, I think you have to you have to look at the interior defensive line and find somebody. And if you can find a guy that wrecks havoc, or two, then I think you're cooking with peanut oil. But I don't know who that is. Guys, I'm going to be honest. I am definitely concerned right now about Nebraska's offensive line, and I'm concerned about their interior defensive line. But on defense, if they can find one or two guys, if that's a Ty Robinson, if that's a win, if that's even a, a Drew who's still you know, is a couple of days away or a week away from showing up at Nebraska, then I think Nebraska has a real chance But if I had to go to one important guy, not a a specific position group, but one important guy, I think it's Luke Reimer. I think Luke Reimer has to have an all-Big Ten season.
0: Well, Gary, you you mentioned the defensive line, and while it's important to find a guy that that kind of pops and makes an offense have to circle him, you know, to – figure out their game plan, that's like number one key, stop this guy. I look at that defensive line, and I'm concerned about the depth of of that defensive line. The fact that Eric Shenander's been a guy and uh, that defense as a whole has liked to sub in and out a a lot of defensive linemen, keep guys fresh, and I'm not sure that's going to be a possibility this year with the depth. Does does the depth of that defensive line concern you?
1: Yeah, that's why I keep going back to the line of scrimmage because on offense you maybe have seven guys for five positions over 12 games. And I don't know how comfortable you feel with your interior defensive line. Can you, can you feel comfortable with four? Um, because I wouldn't be surprised, guys. 28 days from now, Nebraska is starting a walk on at defensive line at a Big Ten school. Now, that's not a knock on feast because I think he's a pretty good football player, but he's going to be starting, I think. Or he's going to be, he'll at least play a fair amount coming up in uh, four weeks. So that's something that Mike Dawson has to, has to find. Because I don't think there are reinforcements on the way. I think people that are here and the ones that you would expect to be front-line guys are going to be the guys that you have to choose from.
4: Sharpie, what, what did you make of last year's run defense and what does the standard need to be this season uh, against the run and the Big Ten to, to be in this thing in November?
1: Well, you know, you look at last year. The run defense for Nebraska was pretty good stat-wise, they help at all. And if they can be in that same neighborhood this year, man, you are excited about that because the thing they're not going to see a ton of dynamic quarterbacks, or or at least the way it looks right now uh, at the end of July. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be some teams they're going to line up against, and they're going to try and run the ball down their throat. And if they can stop the run, then that gives them a really good chance. That's why I keep going back to Reimer. Let's start with the defensive line. They're going to miss Daniels. I think Daniels is a big, big hole that they have to fill because they have to find that guy that can stall everything up front and, you know, maybe get a pass rush. The, middle, the inside linebackers got to have a pass rush. But if they can stop the run, gosh, just look, at, just look at the optimism you have in the game of football. If you can run the ball whenever you want and if you can stop the run, what that does for you. But Nebraska's going to have to prove that they can do that again on a consistent basis. And you know what? Even maybe go to about four yards per carry, and if you can go a shade under that, maybe three, then that's a great sign for Nebraska defensively.
4: Javen Wright, your thoughts on, on his role. Good story, incredible perseverance. What What's a, what's a good role-slash-snap count for him in 2022? Tell me what you think he can be. That is optimum. What type, of, what type of difference maker?
1: I, I would just like to say if he can be on the field on a consistent basis. You know, it's great to see Buddha out there. Uh, he's a great kid. Uh, Dad's, of course, a great guy. And he's battled some, you know, some injuries that are a little bit out of his control. They're not football-related injuries. So he fights his way back, and it was great to see his big smile uh, this week uh, showing up for practice. He's got the length and he's got the speed that could he solve a nickel spot for you. Is he a guy that can play in space? I don't know what his role is defined right now because we just haven't seen him play much football because he hasn't been available. So I want to get him four weeks from now, just get him. And I think it'll be a slow build into him playing, but just keep him available. And then I think Nebraska has something to work with, but he would be an option that putting in space, because we've seen glimpses of it, because of his length, because of his speed, he can pick up a tight end. He can cover a, a guy that's a little bit larger than him, and then he can cover a wide receiver a little bit. You know, he's that hybrid guy. We talk about replacing Daniels. How about trying to replace Doman? Doman made a lot of plays that really didn't show up on the stat sheet, but you just went, whoa, he made that play to help other guys on the field. I don't think is going to be able to replace JoJo Doman, but can they find some compliments with a couple of guys that can fill that rule, and maybe right is one of those guys as the season progresses.
0: Gary Sharp with us here, Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, we've we hit the guys up front. We've hit the front seven. Let's move back to the secondary briefly because there's three spots to fill back there, and it sounds like the leaders in the room for that safety position, uh, probably Miles Farmer, uh, Marquise Buford, you got Deshaun Singleton as well as Omar Brown, uh, that are potential guys in the mix there, and then at cornerback position Tommy Hill's been a name that's been cropping up a lot recently, uh, are, are those the guys you think are, are most likely to be the guys that you're going to be seeing against Northwestern?
1: I agree, Elijah, and, and I think there was a key thing that Travis Fisher said yesterday you know, we know about Newsom uh, we know about Buford we, we probably know about Farmer, but that doesn't mean that you can't bounce back from the second half last year I think one of the most important words that Travis Fisher used yesterday is tackling. When they get to a scrimmage, then you're going to start to see who has made strides, and that is pure tackling. Because last year, you know, outside of some hits and misses here and there, for the most part, the three veterans in the secondary, they all tackled. Quentin Newsom became better as a tackler as the season went along. You know, you had Cam Taylor-Britt, you had Deontay Williams, you had Desfields. You had guys that could tackle. That's going to be a key with this defense. There are two big things on the end for Nebraska. One, most importantly, is tackling. And then I think another one, and these are like simple one-on-one football terms, guys, is just lining up properly. I think some of those guys that have been around for a bit in Travis Fisher's system on the back end, they've just struggled to get properly lined up. And if they can accomplish that, and then maybe things fall in place. But I'll be curious to to hear Eric Andrews' thoughts and Travis Fisher's thoughts. After they have their first live scrimmage, how guys tackle. Because if you can tackle, you are a step ahead playing in the back end.
4: Gary Sharp, a few more minutes with us. Hail Varsity Radio Weekend. As uh, A lot of guys spent time after practice yesterday, one of which was Caleb Tanner. He was in a good mood. He was all smiles and very fervent about just Enough's enough, Sharpie. Uh, It's time to get to a bowl game. It's time to pay it forward. And I, you know, you hear things about Tanner's maturity, and and that has been a 180, and he's the first to tell you. And then Coach Chenanders, you know, follows that up with how he's grown up and how proud he is of him. But Tanner's one of those body types that can be a difference maker for you against a Purdue or on a third and eight against Northwestern. Sharpie, what are your uh, thoughts on Tanner as we turn towards 2022?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up, Schmitty. He's a a guy that, you know, he almost has a love-hate relationship the fans do with him uh, because you look at him and you go, man, there's a lot to like there. And then quietly, he had, I think, his best season as a Husker last year. He was just solid. He wasn't splashy. He was solid. But for Nebraska to be successful, and and Tanner I think will benefit – from some guys that are around him or playing opposite of him, Nebraska's going to need him to be better than solid. They're going to need him for three or four times a game to make a splash play. But there's that pride, there's that drive, that he came back to Nebraska for a reason. But I think he will benefit from guys that are playing his position that are opposite of him that might draw more attention. I'm actually actually looking for a really good year out of Caleb Tanner. I, I think you've seen that he's matured in his first couple of years he went through the ringer, and he really struggled. And we wondered, whoa, is this guy ever going to – is the thing ever going to click? Well, you know what? It kind of clicked last year. And I think we'll see more of that as the season moves along. I, I don't worry about the outside guys. I think, I think Nebraska at, at, at the outside rush end spots, outside linebacker, I think Nebraska's in a really, really good spot there. I think they will be able to get to the passer. But then will they be able, when they're not getting to the passer and they're in pass coverage – able to cover and once they cover can they make an initial tackle and not have have a big tight end slip through them
0: and gary the one thing nebraska has really been lacking in the past couple of years is a guy that can get off get after the passer by himself that that kind of guy that can uh push the pocket and and really make an impact in that passing game by himself do you think nebraska has that that 10 sack a, a year type of guy on their roster right now a guy that can get to that double digit mark in 2022
1: I don't know, Elijah. If they have a double figure guy, they could have three or four guys that give you six plus sacks. Uh, you know, you immediately look at Garrett Nelson. Is Garrett does Garrett Nelson have the opportunity to up his production? Uh, you know, what about Oshawn Mathis? What about Caleb Tanner? You know, what about an inside linebacker? I mean, that's all up in the air. I, I don't know that they have a double figure sack guy, but they could have three or four guys that get you at least six sacks and. You know, even if they don't get sacks, and sacks are one of those numbers that's easy to look at, they need to push the pocket and get to the passer, and at least touch him, at least speed him up, at least make him get the ball out quick, at least not allow him to sit back there for five to seven seconds. Even if they don't get the sack, they hurry the quarterback and they throw it away. Um, you know, I'm going to be looking at quarterback hurries as well as a stat that I think is important for the success of this defense.
4: Gary Sharp with us, Weekend Edition, Hail Varsity Radio. Sharpie, uh, we'll wrap up with this, Bud, and uh, some of the other storylines uh, with Big Ten. You know, Ohio State, they're bounced back. Uh, Michigan, of course. And then uh, you have uh, Michigan State as a question mark. Who's the, uh, the, the other Big Ten team you're intrigued by from, from a 30,000-foot from a view of, of the Big Ten? We've focused a lot on Nebraska. Who else are you kind of curious about here for 2022 in the league?
1: Well, I think there's there's two and they play on the opening night of week number 1 and that's Penn State and Purdue. When was the last time you couldn't rattle off who the running back at Penn State is? Yeah, it's you know Saquon Barkley is is playing in the NFL. He's not at Penn State and James Franklin has been 500 the last 2 years. People aren't talking about Penn State in the East and I'm not saying they're going to they're going to win the East. Heck, I think they're I think they're maybe a 7-win football team. They're 500 the last two years. They're barely above 500 in the Big Ten. They haven't looked like Penn State. All of a sudden, in their own division, Ohio State has added to that gap. Michigan is above Penn State. Michigan State and Penn State are pretty even, and Mel Tucker hasn't been in East Lansing for decades. This is a huge year for James Franklin. Does Sean Clifford make the next jump? Because watch Penn State early. Now, they've got a chance to shut up sharp and anybody else because they open at Purdue and then. Two weeks later, they go to Auburn. Now, the team they're playing is Purdue. Purdue really, to me, is kind of the, the yo-yo of predictions in the West. I've seen some people and they're a dark horse to win it. I've seen them as second. I've seen them as low as fifth. You've got Aiden O'Connell. People like Aiden O'Connell. But let me tell you, he doesn't have David Bell. He doesn't have Milton Wright. Who's he going to throw the football to? On the other side, Carl is in St. Joe, Missouri, not West Lafayette, Indiana. And they lost their defensive coordinator, who is pretty good. This is an important year for Jeff Brom. They were really good last year when they needed to be, and they won nine football games. People wondered, okay, is he going to use nine wins to go to Louisville? How's he thinking? This is a big year for Purdue to prove to everybody, hey, Purdue has hit that point where they're just going to be a nice, solid team and they're going to continue to grow, or they're going to go nine wins one year, step back, win five, six. I keep pointing to one of the more important games on the schedule for the temperature check of two programs, Will be October 15th when Nebraska plays at Purdue. But those are the two teams, Penn State and Purdue, that I'm most intrigued by on what they're going to do to change the narrative or add to the current narrative.
4: You know, we circled that game this year as well. We're on the road for it, and we'll be in West Lafayette by choice. And uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a thousand percent right with, uh, you know, can Purdue be as, as good as they were a year ago? Uh, are they a one-hit wonder type deal, right? Or are there or is there some consistency? Can they can they morph into a Wisconsin type squad that's that's good year after year? An Iowa type squad, right? Minnesota has been pretty consistent. The West is wild, and it'll be pretty fascinating. Sharpie, enjoy the weekend, bud. We'll get caught up with you again, and thanks so much for the time this morning. Hey, best to you and Elijah. All right, buddy. There he is, Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, with us on Hale Varsity Radio. A quick timeout. We'll wind down the weekend edition as uh, we'll rewind with uh, Garrett Nelson, Uh, a little full Nelson, before we say goodbye and back at you Monday. Reminder, we are at the Hale Varsity Club on Monday up in La Vista. I want to see you up there 4 to 6. Quick timeout. Garrett Nelson wraps us up. Podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarcity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year. Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com. Backslash subscribe. Promo code GBR.
3: Now back with Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach.
0: One last time here on a Saturday morning edition of Hail Varsity Radio. Let's get caught up. Garrett Nelson sat down with Schmidt out at Big Ten Media Days. Going to open this up by talking about his expectations for the year and his conversation with his dad he had before the year. Hard conversation, uh, which uh, led him to a, a changed mindset for this 2022 season.
6: Uh, the fantastic, you know, career. But I, I have a higher expectation for myself. Um, you know, I... I expect more of myself i want more for myself so i'm um, just improving on the the season i've, I've had before um and, and that summer was a big part of it um had a really deep sit down talk with my dad um truly ta- taking these uh was in nine months of spring and summer uh before the fall and being truly professional about what you're doing and and, and uh planned out and thought out um you know, not saying that I wasn't taking seriously before, but uh, really honing on on every single detail of my life and my lifestyle, how uh, I become the best player I can be, a best leader I can be, a best teammate I can be. Garrett Nelson's with us here at Big Ten Media
4: Days on KFOR Alpha Media, and that sit down—that's that's the, that's uh, that's a, that's a grown-up thing to do. Was mm-hmm. it was it uh, a, a difficult chant? Was it a a chat that that you had with your dad that was? Refreshing. I mean, was it emotional? I mean, take us through the not necessarily the specifics, mm-hmm. but just the the details.
6: I it, guess it was all. I mean, my my dad's my best friend. and He will never lie to me. Um, you know, he he wants the best for me. And uh, you know, if having that hard conversation or you know emotional conversation during that time that needed to happen, and, and it happened. Uh, you know, he, he always has my back, and I know that, uh, you know, forever. But, um, you know, I, having his guidance and understanding where, where he came from as a Division One wrestler and uh, how I can improve and put some of those aspects of, of his life into my life, uh, uh, you know, apply it to the football world and me as a teammate and as a leader. Garrett, where can this defense go
4: in 2022? Uh, really solid defense last season. You lost
6: some pieces. You've added some new faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, putting it on my shoulders personally, uh, I as when coaches say that we need one more sack or, um, you know, my expectations as a end and uh, everybody in the in the D line room to come over the walls and get that one more sack and get more turnovers and, you know, be more ferocious up front uh, just as a position group. That's what we want. But as a defense, as, you know, like you said, we had a very solid defense last year and, and building off of that block and understanding that's the standard now. And we can only go up from there. Um, that That's what you can expect. Garrett Nelson's with us here on KFOR.
4: Garrett, a thought on uh, your unit on that defensive line, some new faces and, and some old faces, you specifically, Caleb Tanner, of course. Uh, Oshon's in there. Uh, and then the secondary. How, how are both those units going to mesh this year as we say goodbye?
6: Um, yes, they're separate units, but, yes, we're on one defense, and we have to understand that we are all tied in this giant system together. Um, being honest with each other, like you said, with the accountability and, and bringing everybody together, um, always almost like in a volleyball huddle, and understanding <laughs> and understanding, yeah. you know, what or what we need to do on this series or on this player, this part of practice, and all, all collectively being one mind and understanding that mindset and that mentality that we have, that Blackshirt mentality. We found that last year. We know what it is. We know what the standard is, and we got to hold everybody accountable. That you know, and we talk about it every day. Garrett Nelson, Garrett. Appreciate seeing you again, man. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for, uh, for stopping by. Of course.
4: On the cover of Hale City Magazine. Uh, Garrett, you take care, bud. Thank you so much. Right. You do there it. he is. Garrett-
0: so this there's Garrett Nelson joining us uh, here as uh, we rewind for the final segment of a Saturday morning edition of Hail Varsity Radio. If you missed any of the show today, check it out in podcast form. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Hail Varsity YouTube page, all great ways to check out this Saturday morning edition. Next time we talk to you will be Monday from the Hale Varsity Club up in Papillion. As, uh, if you're an Omaha listener, check this out podcast form, Council Bluffs, anyone in that area, check us out Monday starting uh, starting Monday, I should say, 590 in Omaha. Check us out. That's when we'll talk to you again. A Huda Media Production.